0: Hey there, you're listening to What The Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're gonna riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What The Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff?
1: 23,000 Belgium mine workers strike. Nigerian Civil War officially ends after two and a half years of fighting. And the first commercial Boeing 747 flight begins. Pan Am flies from New York City to London in six and a half hours. You're listening in January of 1970 with What The Riff. I'm Wayne.
2: I'm Rob. I'm Brian.
3: And I'm Bruce.
1: And Bruce is bringing this classic album to us. What you got, Bruce?
3: So you've probably already recognized this is Chicago. The horns gave it away. The horns gave it away. They call themselves a rock and roll group with horns. But it's not so, Devil Horns. Not Devil Horns. <laughs> it's so difficult, though, to peg Chicago. You know? Yeah. What are they? What What do you consider Chicago? Pop, maybe. Yeah. I mean,
1: kind of jazz.
3: That's what I'm, I'm leaning towards. Jazz. Yeah. I mean, they could do all that. Yeah. So this is a song you should recognize. Oh yeah. But you don't actually recognize this song. So. This song, most people know as Make Me Smile. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that's not actually the name of the song that we're doing. The song we're doing is called Ballad for a Girl in Buchanan. In what? Ba- Ballet for a Girl in Buchanan. Buchanan, okay. So there's there's a lot of things that are a little bit confusing. So this album, we know as Chicago 2. Right. Right. But it's actually the first Chicago album, because <laughs> the first Chicago album was, was, Chicago. was the
1: Chicago
0: Transit yep. Authority. That's right, and they got
1: sued by the Chicago Transit Authority because they didn't want them to use their name. <laughs> that's right.
0: So,
3: so most people, and we'll call this Chicago Two. Yes, but it's actually the first album that took the name Chicago. Chicago. All right. <laughs> so, um, so that's how we'll reference that. Um, They did change their name in 1969. Uh, This song is actually called Ballet for a Girl in Buchanan, and it is a song cycle that was written by trombonist James Panko. Mm -hmm. I've met him. Have you really? Yes, I did.
1: Good deal. We'll get back on that a little bit later.
3: So at this time, Chicago is Peter Cetera, who I think all of us from the 80s are familiar with him. He's on bass and vocals. Terry Kath is yeah. on guitar and vocals, and he's the sound that you're hearing on the, the oh. Make Me Smile portion. Robert Lamb is on keyboards and vocals. And then you've got Lee Longmane is on trumpet and flugelhorn. James Panko is on trombone. Walter uh, Perezador is on saxophones and flute. And uh, Danny Seraphine is on drums.
0: Yeah, Terry Kath has a much lower bluesy sounding voice than Peter Cetera. Yes, he does. He does. And that's he was a,
3: very... Uh, that was kind of the Chicago sound That sort the time, of sounds
1: like Santana the there a little bit. A kind of little, little bit. A little guitarist.
0: Yeah.
3: So the song that we all know as Make Me Smile is actually taken from this song cycle, and it's kind of pieced together. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. But that Make Me Smile, that opening section then goes into the longer song cycle so what we've hit now is a song that's known as so much to say so much to give and you've got robert lamb taking on the lead vocal oh.
0: didn't uh, terry kath come to an untimely uh, he did yeah
3: and i think it was either late 77 or 78 um way. there was an accident he uh he was, a gun. A gun. Yeah. he was playing with a gun. He was playing with a gun that he thought was an unloaded gun. Yeah. Uh, and, and he wound up killing God. himself. Mm. Yeah, it was very One sad. of the rules of
1: firearms. Assume. Always
3: assume it's always loaded. Assume it's always loaded. That's yeah. right. Mm. That's right. So, so I just found this fan. Uh, this this really interesting. This is uh it's a seven mo- movement song cycle. And so so dear listeners, you may be wondering, Bruce. How did you pull this off? How did you get eight songs in your section when we know you're supposed to do four? And the truth is I didn't get away with it because Rob figured it out. He, He texted me and says, I can't find this. Ballet for a Girl in Buchanan. <laughs> um, and so apparently when you go out there on the, the songs, all the songs are separately listed. I'm just but, glad I'm not writing the blog for this.
0: That's your job,
3: Bruce. <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> but, and, but they're all very short. So like, there's so much to say, so much to give. Just drifted into an instrumental that's known as Anxiety's, Mom- uh, Anxiety's Moment.
0: It's almost over, too.
3: <laughs> it is almost over. And then it goes into that's truly a, a, moment. a three-quarter piece that's called West
1: Virginia fantasies, and um, but those are all instrumentals that kind of lead through. I don't know many people that have fantasies of West Virginia, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry.
3: Well, there's I a reason there. for that. So <laughs> the girl in Buchanan, uh, the namesake is a girl named Terry Heisler, and it is Panko's ex fiancee who was attending West Virginia Wesleyan College in Buchanan, West Virginia oh, at the okay. time? So it was kind of written for her. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Not it, the state. it wasn't always about it wasn't just about her. I mean, uh, he wanted to write a song cycle. He was he was fascinated by you know the kind of the classic you know symphonies and yeah. and, uh, and and well, and Tommy what?
1: had come out by the Who, so right. so I mean they
0: started having these
1: eight-minute songs. Yeah,
0: exactly. Apparently. His tactic did not work if she was his ex-fiancee. <laughs> Maybe not. So a little this pressure.
1: So is one side of an album? It's three-quarters of a side of an album. Okay. Yeah. So but there had to have been a lot of songs on this album, then, There. Right?
3: Well, it's a double album. A yeah. double album. Yeah, and that's a good point. And I think Rob mentioned it earlier. Their first four studio albums were double albums. So yeah. Chicago's... Chicago Transit Authority and then two three and four were all double albums they didn't yeah. do a single album until Chicago 5 which uh, is a
0: good album by the way I featured a track off of Chicago three a couple of episodes back and yeah amazing to think about how much music's on this Chicago exactly. 2
3: so this is an instrumental this is West Virginia fantasies
0: and it's uh, that's the three four portion could you imagine the pressure of having a band like Chicago write a song about you? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you're putting the pressure on. <laughs> exactly. But
3: the thing is, this was the album that was the breakthrough album. This is where people started paying attention to them. Yeah.
0: Ooh, recognize uh, that?
2: Very familiar tune.
0: I played this in piano, my piano lessons. I think just about everybody played yep. this one. Now, it has a little bit of a Bach feel to me. Yeah,
3: definitely. So this is color my world and terry kath is going to come in on lyrics in just a minute it's but it's really very short on lyrics i mean it, it's uh you basically got a long piano intro one verse and then you got a flute solo
2: and let's not forget about that wonderful bass chord that's supporting it
3: Well, oh,
0: yeah you got that absolutely and while he's picking up on the uh, drum
3: uh, yeah, Sort of a little bit of jazz style of the drum. Yep. Still staying with that three, three four mm-hmm. kind of waltz feel, isn't it?
2: I'm sure this was very popular back at the uh, school dances when they wanted to slow it down a bit.
3: Absolutely. On. Terry Kath has such a good I'll voice, too. He
2: does. So this was the
3: B-side of the single Just Make Me Smile. Mean. Oh. And Make Me Smile, what they did, they they took that first section and they took the last section. There's going to be a reprise that we'll cover. And they stuck them together to Mm. make the the, uh, single, Make Me Smile. But um, this one, uh, according to Wikipedia, Frank Sinatra wanted to record a version of this song. I can see that. Under the condition that Panko write an additional verse. Oh, well, He a little, wanted to,
1: a shorter song,
3: though. That's the reason why. It line. is. Yeah. And he wouldn't do it. Wow. So he's, this is Panko Declined, and here you've got Color My World. It's just this one section, and then we'll have the, the flute comes in right here.
2: I forgot about the flute. Uh, Ian Anderson, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> thinking about somebody else.
1: You know, speaking at this time, there were several groups of very similar, I am mean, a little bit more harder rock, I guess, Of blood, sweat, and tears. We've already featured Rare Earth. They had this same type of kind of band type things. It was a big sound field, and that's what this is a big sound because you do have this sort of orchestra behind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how all of our. Talking is just kind of oh, mellow. chilled out, mellowed out. You'll pick up you, well, you
3: are. You're affected by the music, you aren't really you? You really are. You know, and it's got. Uh, but this has got a lot of dynamics in it. It's just. It's very interesting. It, to to me, this idea of a
1: song cycle that's that's prog rock. Well, they yeah, did they did mellower is. songs. I mean, I mean, yes. I remember a song. If you leave me now. Oh, uh, I love that. You know, I, you know. Unfortunately, I had a dog that died at the same time that came out, so it always reminds me of the dog. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Because I was kind of too young to really have a girlfriend.
0: But, you know. <laughs> I love Chicago. <laughs> well, so that was about the longest song in yeah. this track in this set, but it was long because it
3: was it was slow. The lyrics themselves they weren't very extensive True. at all. What's this one? So this is an instrumental called "To Be Free." Freeform drums. There you go. This, to me, has a real 1970s feel to it. Yeah. That five section there. It reminds me of something out of Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So this is an instrumental as well. This is an instrumental. It's in 5-4, which is prog rock territory for sure. And... Um, it's, it just builds. I love the way they're building, because they're going to build to the final movement oh. of this thing right here.
0: Yep. Adding a few more instruments and yep. movements in there as they go.
3: You got the whole, Yeah, I got the trombone going. Wayne's doing the slide over here. There you here go. There you go. Play it, Wayne. Here we go, into the final section. And this may sound a little bit more familiar
0: to you. It's really building. Yeah. Uh,
3: Does that sound familiar? Oh, yeah. yeah. So now we're back to the main theme, and this is the reprise That's yeah. the reprieve, and it's called Now More Than Ever, is this song. But again, on the single, they stuck this one together with Make Me Smile. Okay, I was going to
0: say I remembered hearing it as one piece. Yeah, yeah exactly. And when they do this
3: in concert, they do the entire cycle. Generally speaking, they've done this like at the end of their first act before they go into an intermission so they really get the audience going yeah
1: well one. like i said i met the trombone player and i was i was on the it's called major entertainment at auburn and we yeah. we brought groups in and i happen to be the driver of one of the buses to take them back to uh, columbus georgia from yep. auburn which is about a 45 minute drive and the trombone was sitting next to me so we talked about music and stuff like that unfortunately his manager was behind me Uh and all he did was complain about how small auburn's airport was compared to columbus because they could have flown into auburn and only had like a 10 minute ride back to the back to the airport so but they had a cool dc3 that they flew around in so they didn't even have a bus or anything
0: is this part of the
3: uh this now we're done with the song cycle I love this song. Yeah, this is a great one. So Robert Lamb wrote this, and I wanted to do this because Peter Sotero's is on uh, lead vocals. and you got to get Peter Cetera oh, yeah. if you're going to do it Chicago. It hit number four on the Hit 100 uh, chart, and it was the first Chicago appearance in the top five. Waiting for
2: the
0: break of and what's the name of this song, and where did it come from? There you go. So this song <laughs> is 25 or 6 to 4.
3: And do you know what the song is about?
1: I assume someone asked him what time it was. And he goes, oh, it's 25 or 26 minutes to 4. Okay. Does
0: anyone really know what time it is? Does anybody, or anybody care? <laughs> so there was a lot
3: of speculation about it. Lamb has said it's about trying to write a song in the middle of the night at 25 or 26 minutes before 4 a.m. Oh. Uh, uh, Somewhere in there. But there's been a lot of speculation about it. A lot of folks were thinking maybe it's drug references yep. or something like that. In fact, the song was banned in Singapore at the time because of its, quote, alleged allusions to
0: drugs. Wouldn't it be 26 or 420
2: if it was uh, drug-related? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this is the same people that subscribed at Hotel California for the Eagles. Is an insane asylum. Yeah. It's interesting though
3: when you when you realize that's what it's about, you listen to the words, you know, wanting just to stay awake, wondering how much I can take, you know. Yeah. It makes
1: sense. Man, I'm loving what so much is going on in this. Obviously, you got the horns, you got the guitar that is just cranking back there, the drums, the bass, the bass playing. It's just like, my goodness, there's a whole lot going on in here.
0: That's right. Um, 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 um. I mean what a riff. Yeah.
3: It's, well that's a riff you'll hear in other places. You yes. Know? You've got Led Zeppelin does that chromatic yes. riff with Babe I'm gonna leave you. Uh, there were some several other folks that'd pick up on that. Man, great great
0: guitar work there. I like it.
3: Now they did a remake of this in the mid eighties, maybe off of Chicago eighteen. Um, a how many little, Chicago's were there? Oh yeah, they were I think they've gone up to thirty. I, I'm not certain about wow. that. Wow, there there is a there are a couple of named Chicago albums out there, but they certainly were known for you know doing the one two three four like that.
2: Is this the most successful, or was it seventeen that was?
3: I don't know. I think well, commercially, I think probably sixteen seventeen. The yeah. ones were, that came out in the early '80s,
1: they were yeah. they just blew up. And I love I, that. wah-wah. I remember yeah, if you leave yeah. me now it was on Chicago ten. I do yeah. remember that. Going, they already had ten albums out, and then, like you said, there were yeah. double albums. Just talk about perf- just, yeah. just just like announced stuff. This is
0: like ago. a jam session, though. It really is. Yeah, I mean that's it, why they had so much music. I think they just would just get into one of these. Yeah. Well, this the, I, I
3: mentioned before. This is the the album that kind of made Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Make Me Smile was their first big hit, and what happened is after that, people went back to Chicago Transit Authority. And oh. picked up, you know, the the songs there and so they kind of got an extra life out of that. And then of course they took off there. Yeah,
1: I had that first album. Once again, like an idiot, sold it. <laughs> I think I sold it for like five <laughs> bucks. The original? Yeah. Oh.
3: I am gonna pay more attention to the lyrics now. Yeah, it does. It makes a difference when you realize what he's talking about.
1: All right, top hits of January 1970: "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head" B.J. He Thomas. Thomas, "Someday We'll Be Together" Diana Ross and the Supremes, "Leaving on a Jet Plane" Peter Paul and Mary, and "Whole Lot of Love" Living Loving Maid Led Zeppelin wasn't a top hit of 19- January was of it 1970. Wasn't really on
0: yes. the pop charts. On the pop
1: Interesting. charts. Interesting.
0: <laughs> I clearly remember just hearing this song in 1970, but, man, it's it's been classic and played hey, it so many times. Me, it
1: reminds me of Saturday in the Park. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Listen to this.
0: Just what a great ending. I'm yeah. glad you brought this album, Bruce. Yeah, that thank was you, pleasure. Bruce. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Listen to his Horns. Now we're going into our entertainment track, brought to us by Right Column Financial. And what do we have, Wayne?
1: We have MASH. The movie came out in January of 1970. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but it's—it's uh,
2: it's been a while.
1: It's been a while. It was a comedy, but it wasn't really
2: a—it a was comedy. a lot darker, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, Donald Sutherland yeah. was in it. He played—I uh, think he either—I think he played trapper. Yeah, yeah. Elliot, Gould. Elliot Gould. And there was only
1: one guy that actually transferred to the—that's right. The, to the TV show And who was that?
2: Gary Berghoff
0: Radar
1: Radar That's wow. right
0: Wow What a great series And the whole concept Yeah
1: that is, Took place in In Korea But yep. they were really Making uh, light Of Vietnam Yeah
0: Yeah Great series Great movie So now we're going On to our staff picks And who's kicking it off? This must be Wayne's
1: Yes it is And do you guys Recognize this song? I do this is a one-hit wonder, The White Plains. It's My Baby Loves Lovin'. And the reason why I did this is, is I usually have the more Harder Rock stuff and right. everything. But I do miss these fun, corny pop hits that came out at that time. And this was a top 20 hit, and I I enjoyed this. This is, you know, I, I, brought, I made, yep. kind of made fun of it bringing the Bay City Rollers a while back. But this is the type of thing that came out in the in the you know in, back in the '70s. These one-hit wonders, and I I really do kind of it takes me back. and yeah. I, You know, I wasn't really a hard rocker back when I was in my <laughs> my knots. <laughs> but but so this was this was sort of a, a, a kind of featured part of it. You know, you know, it's my baby loves loving. She's got what it takes, and she knows how to use it. I mean, come on! <laughs> I think other people has she knows how to use it is is in yes. tons of other songs. So
0: it makes me. It sounds a little like a maybe Bobby Sherman or something. Yeah, to me. exactly. That kind uh, of feel. Donny Osmond. Yes.
1: the stuff that came out at that time. Sean Cassidy. No, yeah,
0: this was not in
3: either of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Was I don't
1: know. It? it was not, but it, it sounds it, like it could be it in does, the, number, does, the third one. That's what so that's, I, that's what it sounded like to all me. All right, tell people at Guardians of the Galaxy about it now. But they had a, a change up of lineups all the time. But this is the only one they had hits in the UK. They had five hits in the UK. There's only one hit here. What's interesting is Tony Burrows is the lead vocal on this. But he's done one hit wonders under different groups. He's yeah. got five hits. That <laughs> so were, he's not
0: a one hit yeah, wonder, but all of his exactly. groups are.
1: They had one, Edison Lighthouse, Love Bros, where Ro- my rosemary goes. I remember that one. This one. one uh, Pipkins, give me that thing, give me that thing. If you remember that, this one everybody remembers. The first class, Beach Baby.
3: Yeah, Beach Baby. Beach Baby, mm-hmm. beach
1: baby. and then they had the Brotherhood of Man's "United We Stand," which reached number 13 in the United States. Hmm. But I thought that was kind of cool. You know, yeah. the guy just bounced around, at singing, singing, all over the place. But hey. that's my baby loves loving the White Plains. Go out and find it. It's it's
0: something to enjoy. And planes as in, like, geography. Yeah. Not airplanes. Or white planes in New York. White planes, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now we're moving on to our next stat pick,
0: and that's going to Rob. We know this one, but I was researching it a little bit, and it had a couple of interesting things about it. This is Come Together by the Beatles. The song reached the top of the charts in January of 1970. The album was released in late 1969. And it was inspired by a request from Timothy Leary. He asked the Beatles to write a song for him because he was running for governor of California against Ronald Reagan. That was the genesis for the song. Unfortunately, Leary was sent to prison for possession of marijuana. (laughs) He lost the bid. I'm sure there was other drugs he had, too. Yeah, Yeah, that's what it was. (laughs) He could have beaten Ronald Reagan. Yeah, John Lennon did an interview with a guy named David Sheff And he said The thing was created in the studio It's gobbledygook Come together was an expression that Leary had come up with For his attempt at being president Or whatever he wanted to be and he asked me to write a campaign song I tried and tried But I couldn't come up with one But I came up with this Come together Which would have been no good to him You couldn't have a campaign song like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Of course,
1: there was a really good mi- remake done by Yes Aerosmith. Yes, you know? exactly. And that was on Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah. The movie. Yep, it
0: was, and they they had the version, and that was in 1978, and it reached number 23 on the yep. Billboard 100. The movie was awful, but the- yeah, it was. It was pretty bad. I have um, another quote here from Paul McCartney. He was talking about Abbey Road and. You know, whose song was this? Because it's really John Lennon writing it, but it was credited to Lennon McCartney. Right. Paul says, even on Abbey Road, we don't do harmonies like we used to. I think it's sad. Right. On Come Together, I would have liked to sing harmony with John, and I think he would have liked me to, but I was too embarrassed to ask him, and I don't work to the best of my abilities in that situation. Isn't that funny? Huh. Yeah, so he's just like, well, he didn't ask me, and so I'm not going to ask him. And
1: Well, the situation, obviously, there were... They were breaking apart yeah. anyway, because uh, it was a rough time. Because music in January 1970, the Beatles was their last recording session in January.
0: 1970, ah, okay. So. There was a little interesting thing here. There was a copyright infringement for this song. Oh yeah, yeah. It was from Chuck Berry's publisher, Big Seven Music. He had a song, and it was called "You Can't Catch Me." Uh-huh. And if you listen to that song, you can find it on iTunes or. Whatever your choice is And it sounded similarly In fact, when John Lennon played this For Paul McCartney Paul McCartney said It sounds kind of like You can't catch me And so they slowed it down And they added a heavy bass riff To make it more original Okay Lennon says Here comes old flat top He come grooving up slowly Barry sung Here come a flat top He was moving up with me Oh, oh yeah. oops! They settled out of court in 1973 for the sum of six thousand seven hundred and ninety-five dollars. That's it. Yeah, there was actually a little bit of more behind it. Lennon actually recorded a song, a, an album for Levy. The, one of the guys that was involved here with Chuck Berry. Okay. He, he said, I'll do an album of your songs, but they said that he didn't do very good this on This is one it. of
1: the few times a lawyer got screwed over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Ike and Tina Turner did a cover of it as well. So. It's really a cool it groove is. song. I like and you it. You don't get quality lyrics
3: like, Hold him in your arms. Yeah, you can feel his disease. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) What was that about in a campaign song? (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, I guess Timothy Leary, maybe he could have been president if only he had gotten the (laughs) bill. All
1: right, moving on to our next staff pick, and we're going to Brian on this one. What you got, Brian? Well, this is
2: the band. What band?
1: Yeah, what band is that?
2: Exactly. (laughs) This is going to mention my hometown here. Just a second. Listen to this lyric. Where do you want to go? And here it comes. Thank you very much. Look at that. Thank you very much. So, this was written by guitarist Robbie Robertson. And it tells me, it's actually a disjointed story about a mountain man. (laughs) and a girl named Bessie. And according to Song Facts, it says, we hear about a trip to a horse races. We, we're listening to Spike Jones and how they really, and how the, what really makes him happy is when she dips her donut in my tea. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really disgusting. So, like many songs by the uh, the band, it's uh, wide open for interpretation. Yes, Is that yeah, like squeeze my lemon till the juice runs down your leg? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, Robertson claims he doesn't even know what's going on. He says, "I didn't write songs for anything other than just a storytelling sense." Uh, he said, uh, but you sit down and write the song, and usually when something happens, you just don't even know where it came from and where it came or just anything like that. It just it just appears. Hmm. So I, I've heard preachers tell me that uh, when they're doing sermons. They don't remember anything about the sermon. They yeah. They just... Go,
1: Brian. What about the relationship between the band and Bob Dylan? You're going to get into that.
2: I don't have anything. To hear okay. That
1: well, when I understand, when Bob Dylan decided to go electric, the band is what back backed them up. Oh. Okay. And then they went out oh. on their own. Okay. And obviously, this is one of their top hits. And I remember they had a sort of a movie slash concert on TV, or not TV, but on on. On, at the movies, and then you had an album out called The Last Walls. And I want to say that was in the late 70s when they finally broke up and just said, okay, we're just going to finalize this and get out of here. Well,
2: ironically, the B-side of this, sound, this single was the night they drove Old Dixie down. Do you remember that song? Yeah. yeah that's them. Okay. They wrote it, but it was really made famous by whom? Speaking of females, uh, we were talking about females in a previous podcast. Ah. She was an activist.
0: Yes. Joan Baez? There you go. Oh, Mally.
2: gotcha. That's right. So they're involved in a lot of things. Uh, they performed it for the first time on television on the Ed Sullivan Show in 1969. Of course, this is in January of 70 when he, I mean, he made the charts. but so This definitely has that swamp rock feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. almost
1: really almost southern rock. I mean, it is definitely sort of that that fun.
0: All it needs is a jug.
2: Somebody
0: <laughs> playing one of those jugs. I love true. that organ in the back, though. I don't think you said
2: the name of the song. Up on Cripple Creek. Up on Cripple Creek. Now, the band also has appeared with other groups and benefits and, and things like that. The uh, most recent one that I remember was the band was in the Roger Waters' production of The Wall back in 1990. Oh yeah, they sang "Comfortably Numb" with him, along oh, with uh, yeah. along with uh, ba- uh, Van Morrison.
3: Yeah, I remember Van Morrison. I didn't remember yeah, the, the that. That was the was band.
2: Was some of the singer, Robbie Robertson, and there's one other guy. Hmm. Uh, sorry, guys, but I didn't enjoy that version of it. But it was okay. Uh, I, I guess I'm too much of a na- uh, a purist. Purist and like David Gilmore's version. I really
0: can see like a shack on the swamp with a big porch, like an old shack, and them just sitting yep. out on the front porch playing this.
2: A little guitar right there. That's yeah. awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> it has that the the they're making the guitar sound kinda like uh what what is that? The the nose, yeah, the the juice it. harp.
2: But anytime you mention my hometown, I've gotta play it though. Lake Charles, Louisiana. Shout out to my friends in Lake Charles. Yeah.
1: This is a fun song. I was almost surprised someone didn't pick this as an album, but
2: well, that's it's fun. still early. Very All cool. right, thank you very it much, Brian. We're welcome.
1: coming back around now to Bruce with his staff pick, and Bruce, are you going to pick it up some?
2: Little bit. Well, we got to stand up and dance in the line, guys. Come on, let's do it. We got our bell bottoms on, our platform shoes, and and our froze going. That's right. <laughs>
0: Cannot not like this song. You've no, got to like. I this song. I was a song. huge
2: Jackson Five fan. This
3: is the first Motown single by Marlon, Jermaine, Jackie, Tito,
1: and the Beaver. Michael, Michael. Jackson. <laughs> Who'd you say? <laughs> I this said the, the first... Beaver. <laughs> this is the first one, huh?
3: This is the first. Wow. It's the first nationwide release. It was, oh, okay, uh, you know they were a regional thing, but <laughs> who's the girl? <laughs> 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 That's Janet. How old
0: was he when he sang this?
3: Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. He had to been though. around ten, probably. Yeah, he was. He was very young. Yeah. Um, it was released in October of nineteen sixty nine on their first album, which was known as Diana Ross Presents the Jackson Five. Oh. I probably helped him
0: out. Yeah.
3: Well, it hit number one in January of 1970. They performed it on Diana Ross's show, The Hollywood Palace, in October of 1969. And they were on The Ed Sullivan Show the previous month, in December of 69. But this would start a big trend with the Jackson 5. The first four Jackson
1: 5 singles all hit number one. Wow. I remember uh-huh. the remember they had a um cartoon. They sure did. They did. no, Saturday, no they were, they Saturday morning
0: cartoons. Sure did.
2: Wasn't their dad like instrumental and really pushing them? He really that? pushed uh, them. Uh, yeah. Instrumental is a nice word, Rob.
1: <laughs> if, if if you call if you call a a leather strap of a belt across the back end is <laughs> instrumental,
3: yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: motivation. Inspiration.
1: But they
3: were just they were just huge. Just huge. Oh, I like the way this builds
1: up. But we had the white version of this with the Osmonds.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, one yeah. bad apple. I think um, they sound great, but Michael was just added something special to it. For oh, sure. yeah.
2: You know what? Diana Ross recognized that, too. You know that she presented them. Michael actually lived with Diana Ross for the first two or three years. Yeah,
1: she was a mentor to him. She really Big was. Time.
2: Well, it well, depends on who you talk to, but a lot of people think that Gordy put him, put him there because to protect him from Joe. Because Joe was, he didn't get Michael, and it was more of a protective thing.
3: But you're right. They had a long a relationship for a long time professionally. I mean, you yeah. know, you, it, going to the Whiz in the 80s. Yep. I just love that song.
2: It is. Great, great choice. Thank All right,
3: you, Bruce.
0: We're going into an instrumental now, and this is one that uh, I was looking around, and, and I found this, and it's by the Guess Who, and I thought, I'd like to cover the album of the Guess Who, so I was looking around on it, and I found this. This is called 969, The Oldest Man. Oh, I know what that's from. Do you? Yeah, go ahead, though.
1: No, what's it from?
3: 969, The Oldest Man? Yes. Methuselah. Methuselah. In the Bible, lived to be 969 years old. Ah, there you go.
1: We also, at this time, kind of come back and what we haven't covered earlier. Uh, music of January 1970. Farmers sue Max Yeager for thirty-five thousand dollars in damages caused in Woodstock. Wow. The Grateful Dead members are busted on LSD charges. Imagine that. Diana Ross and the Supremes performed their last concert together at, in Las Vegas. Hmm. And The Who's drummer, Keith Moon, fatally runs over his chauffeur with his Bentley when he's trying to escape a mob outside a pub.
0: Oh, my goodness. It was
1: later ruled an accident. But we'll, we'll come back to that when we talk about Tommy
0: eventually. Wow.
1: And TV of January 1970, the soap opera All My Children premieres. Now, that ended up being very popular. Wow. I never watched any of those soap operas. <laughs> Is that
3: what Luke and Laura were in, or were they in no, General No, no, that was General Hospital. Okay. I do
1: I do remember that one.
3: I think they're still on there, aren't they? It might be. There's only one or two that are left. Yeah. General Hospital might be one of the few. And
1: we missed some of the movies. Uh, Scream and Scream Again was a Vincent Price-Christopher Lee movie.
3: Oh.
1: Uh, Tick, Tick, Tick was a, a movie starring Jim Brown. Um, football player. Football player. Wow. He was elected sheriff of a rural county in American South. Then there was uh, the Dunwich Horror, which uh, Ed Begley Sr. and Sandra D was uh, loosely placed on a H.P. Lovecraft uh, uh. A short story about a female graduate student who's targeted by a man attempting to use her in an occult trial ritual. I'm sorry, and that was sort of like Rosemary's Baby, sort of that similar theme.
0: want to add this song is from the album american woman and you would recognize the song no time and then of course american woman no sugar tonight so we'll cover that in a, in a, as an album pick here coming up before too long
1: oh sounds good yeah well, thank you rob well you've been listening to january of 1970s we're what the riff i'm wayne
2: i'm rob bruce. i'm brian and i'm bruce
1: see you guys next time enjoy it
0: Thanks for listening to What The Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What The Riff?